Alrighty, welcome back to the podcast. This is our 49th episode coming to you after some really, really wild games this weekend uh, in both the NFC and AFC championship games. So we're going to start out reacting to the Niners at Rams game. Uh, obviously, most of our listeners are Niners fans, so you guys probably aren't too pleased with the result. But uh, Jad, what did you think about the game and what you saw in full? Yeah, so uh, I think the Rams just needed to win this game more than the Niners because their franchise would be doomed for at least the next five years as they basically uh, sold their soul for a championship with all the <laughs> trades they made and acquisitions. So they just needed this so much more, though. Obviously, the Niners had a great year. They were defying all odds. I mean, they barely snuck into the playoffs and nearly made the Super Bowl. Uh, one thing I'm seeing is uh, a lot of Niner fans are starting to blame uh, Jaquaski Tart for this game with that dropped interception. Mm. But they forget that that Rams, uh, the Cooper Cup junior guy, number 18, he dropped a wide open touchdown <laughs> earlier in the game. And then Jalen Ramsey, a few plays later after the Tart drop pick, dropped a pick of his own. So there was really mistakes made on both sides. You can't play, you can't blame the whole game on that one play. But uh, I was really happy uh, that OBJ played well. Uh, you know, he deserved a shot at the with a good quarterback to the Super Bowl. And oh, it just seemed like finally the <laughs> really Niners unnecessary weakness, sentence. <laughs> the Niners weakness, which is their secondary, it got exploited and ultimately led to their doom. And it's funny to me though, because you know, as all of our listeners know, we live in the Bay Area. And when the Niners start winning, Niner fans start praising Jimmy G. Like, they've always loved him. They've never said a bad thing about him. But as soon as they lose, they turn on him again. They tell they tell everyone they should start Lance. I mean, this is a trend I've seen throughout the year. And I'm not saying Jimmy's good. Obviously, he's far from it. But you got to at least stay consistent with your takes. I mean, that's my little side rant for today. But anyways, <laughs> Niner fans, you have a bright future as long as Trey Lance pans out because your roster is, st- uh, is stacked. Uh, you maybe should get a corner in the draft, even though you don't have a first-round pick. Uh, and as for the Rams, who also don't have a first-round pick, I'm glad Stafford gets a chance at the, Super Bowl, at the Super Bowl, as well as OBJ. And at first, I thought the Rams were kind of a boring team. But after Sunday, I kind of like watching them, and I look forward to seeing them uh, in two weeks. All right, so my take on this game is we had Matthew Stafford and Jimmy G, who are two quarterbacks who both choked multiple times this game, but Jimmy G just ended up out choking Matthew Stafford uh, towards the end of the game. The Rams really kind of shut down the 49ers run offense, which is obviously is what the Niners like to do. Debo Samuel went seven carries for 26 yards and Elijah Mitchell went 11 carries for 20 yards. I mean, that's under four yards per carry for both of these guys. That's really not something that um, I was expecting. I thought the Niners would be able to move the ball a bit better on the ground and First and foremost, on the Niners, their secondary, like Jad said, that's the weakness of their defense. It got exposed. They allowed two different receivers to go for over 100 yards. They let the fifth string wide receiver, who I've never seen touch the field, almost get like a 50-yard touchdown bomb against them. And those those two things right there are not going to be a recipe for success. So you're taking the ball out of the running back's hands, putting it into Jimmy G's hands. Looking at those running statistics, I was surprised it was as close of a game as it really was. Because if you told me that, uh, Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell would get like 20 yards rested each. I would have thought the Rams would have won by like three possessions, but it was a much closer game than I thought. Uh, but push comes to shove. I've said this before on the podcast. I'll say it again. It's a quarterback league. And as much as I don't think Matthew Stafford is a clutch playoff caliber quarterback, he is still better than Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's, that's really the story of the game, in my opinion. 
Yeah, um, I just want to remind our listeners real quick, uh, both me and Jed predicted the Rams were going to win this game, and we faced a lot of hate from our listeners. But, yeah, uh, of course. I just want to ask you guys to talk to me nicely, please. Um, <laughs> but overall, uh, this kind of turned out how I thought when I thought that Rams would win the game. Um, this was, like Dylan said, kind of a choke fest all the way through. Um, two things were kind of abundantly clear to me, and you guys kind of touched on them both. The Niners need – and it's another strong corner um and they need a, a quarterback obviously jimmy g is not that guy he has not been that guy for the last couple of years the niners fans have been trying to delude themselves into thinking he's actually good he's just really not um and then the, the whole running run offense i mean it's really cute when you shove in debo samuel and have him do an inside zone like six or seven times but if you're not getting much production out of him it's not a trick play anymore it's just a play um, I thought overall the Niners uh, defense, the, the secondary kind of was lackluster all game um, apart from the uh, turnovers they forced. Um, and I thought that the 49ers uh, offensive line was able to shut down the Rams pass rush pretty well. But overall, um, in clutch playoff situations, it comes down to QB play and Matt Stafford is a better playoff quarterback or just quarterback in general than Jimmy Garoppolo, in my opinion. That's why the Niners uh, lost this game. Uh, but if I'm a Niners fan, I'm not super disappointed in the season. I think like almost nobody mm-hmm. coming into the season expected them to go all the way to the NFC championship. So I would be proud of this team. And again, just like they were three years ago, I think they're a quarterback away from making another Super Bowl appearance. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to add, I know uh, the Niners fans love getting Debo Samuel, the rock out of position, just <laughs> on every little play possible, but they got to start getting George Kittle this football more. This guy, mm-hmm. um, arguably before Debo Samuel had, the season that he had, you know, everyone without a doubt would have said he was the best offensive player on the roster. He's best tight end yards after catch, arguably the best tight end there is. And Jimmy G missed a, like a deep crosser route to him early. It could have possibly housed it. But after that, maybe he got one or two more targets, but that's just unacceptable. If you're going to be the best or second best tight end in the league, just give him like a little tight end screen. I know um, Shanahan runs like 35 screenplays a game, just throwing a little tight end screen. Maybe just a little check down. I don't know. I felt they need to get uh, their guys the ball more. I know they tried to get Debo and Ayuk going, but George Kittle's got to be in that game plan as well. Uh, moving on to the uh, other game, the game that was before the Niners, um, Rams, Bengals, Chiefs. Uh, Drew, I know you love Joe Burrow, Joey Franchise, Joe Shiesty. Mm-hmm. He got it done against all odds. Um, what are your thoughts on this game? And uh, what do you see? What did you see? Yeah, I was very, very pleasantly surprised to see uh, the Bengals pull out a win. Uh, I think everyone was, especially after the absolutely disastrous first half they had. Um, Mm -hmm. This was really just the Chiefs offense absolutely wetting the bed. Uh, I mean, in the first half, Patrick Mahomes looked unstoppable. He looked like the Chiefs were going to put up 50 points, um, scoring three touchdowns, going up 21 to three. Um, And then just the second half happened and the team completely forgot to come out of the locker room. Uh, Patrick Mahomes (laughs) went from 149 to 149.9 QBR to a 34 QBR in the second half and a zero QBR in overtime. To be be fair, he only had one possession. Um, In the first half, the Chiefs offense in total had 292 yards and 21 points in just four drives. And in the second half and overtime combined, they had a combined total of 83 yards and three points and seven drives. So this offense just kind of imploded. And I don't think the chiefs defense was too bad, but I think what the Bengals did really well is they really exploited the height differential between guys like T Higgins and Jamar chase 
over the kind of undersized um, Chiefs cornerbacks. And the Chiefs defense, it's been known for quite a while. They're not like the best. I think that come playoff time, usually their pass rush is pretty ferocious. And um, I thought they would be able to come after Joe Burrow a lot more, but he only got sacked once, which was super surprising to me. Actually, Patrick Mahomes got sacked more than he did. Um, but overall, yeah, Joe Burrow just hung in there. He weathered the storm and he delivered a clutch performance. Um, I don't really put this all on the Chiefs defense, really, but I just think the offense just didn't show up in the second half in overtime like it has so many times throughout the year. Uh, if I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm pretty disappointed because this was supposed to be the new dynasty and now it's seeming like a uh, disappointment after disappointment. Uh, I just want to start with uh, talking about how literally everyone in the world predicted the Bengals to be last in the AFC North. I mean, I'm sure you guys aren't going to deny that. It's amazing mm-hmm. to me that they're even here. And honestly, it gives hope to all us poverty franchises that <laughs> it is possible to turn things around quickly. Um, and I'm sure everyone was feeling the same way as me, but I didn't think there was any way in hell that the Bengals could win when they're down 21-3. Uh, and the Chiefs played in that second half like they played in the first few games of the year when they were struggling. I mean, Patrick Mahomes got stopped on one drive, and all of a sudden he couldn't move the ball for like the next five drives. Yeah, so the Bengals did a great job bringing pressure in that second half, and I think that played the biggest role in shutting the Chiefs down. As Drew mentioned, uh, the Bengals got more sacks than the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are not really the type of team to blow leads because of their high-power offense. So that's just what made it even more surprising to me. Uh, I have to credit Joe Burrow, but I think uh, people need to hold back on the he's top five take. I mean, even though what he's done is amazing, just because he's going on this little playoff run doesn't mean that you know, he's automatically a top five quarterback. I think there's an argument for it, but uh, I think I need to see a little bit more, even though he's been playing great. And uh, I really think drafting Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell was such a smart move because they knew they were going to get a lot of hate for it. But Zach Taylor and whoever their GM has had a vision for this offense. And although they take a lot of sacks, that receiving core is so good that sometimes the O-line play doesn't really matter because uh, they create separation and they get open so quickly. Uh, and I think they could fix the offensive line in future years, but how often are you going to get a chance at a receiver of that caliber? I mean, he's already, in my opinion, a top 10 receiver. So that's just like uh, once in a while that you can get that opportunity. So I think it was a good decision to pass up on Sewell for Chase. Uh, so, yeah, congratulations to the Bengals. I don't think one person in the world said they would be here at the start of the year. And I don't think many people had them here two weeks ago, but thank you, Cincinnati, for being Chiefs and I think this was the greatest playoffs I've seen in my 17 years of being alive. And uh, hopefully the Super Bowl matches the energy. Yeah. So like you guys, I was very shocked by this game. Thought it was over. Like, honestly, after the Chiefs just walked down the field two times when it was 14 to three, I was ready to call it wraps. But I mean, Joe Burrow, you know, this guy, if you check the box score, 250, two touchdowns and interception. Um, against the Titans, he had 348, zero touchdowns, one interception. He doesn't stuff the staff sheet. He can. We, you know, we saw that, like, 400-yard, four-touchdown game against the Chiefs uh, in the regular season. But, I mean, this guy just wins football games, and I've got to give him some respect here. The Bengals' defense I was very impressed with. Um, you know, I believe um, Jad, when the Raiders played the Bengals, said that there's not a single guy on the Bengals' defense that he could name. And they held Patrick Mahomes' uh, defense to three points in the second half, including overtime, which is very, very impressive. But one thing that I felt uh, that was very impressive, I'm not not really seeing a lot of things being talked about, was T. Higgins had over 100 receiving yards. And literally, I feel like all of his catches 
were like contested over mm-hmm. the middle slant routes on like third and mediums, third and longs. That's that's absolutely crucial, especially when Jamar Chase isn't having an absolutely amazing game. He still had a very good game, but it's not the 100 yard like two touchdowns type of deal. Um, Mahomes absolutely went nowhere in the second half, and uh, the Bengals also did this without CJ Uzoma who was probably Burrow's third favorite, not necessarily third best, but third favorite, I would say, uh, target out of the tight end position. And I was very surprised with the Chiefs' sort of play calls in overtime. You know, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey were just getting any separation they wanted, basically, in the first half. And then in overtime, they do a RPO, like, out route to, like, Demarcus Robinson, who's, like, their fifth-string wide receiver. That gets broken up. And then they really don't go, like, anywhere from that. I felt they kind of could have sticked to the ground game a bit more. They had fairly good success with that, but obviously that's not what Andy Reid and Patty Mahomes want to do. They want to sling the rock and uh, Joe Burrow somehow, some way is going to the Super Bowl, And uh, we're just, we're going to talk about if he's actually going to be winning the Super Bowl or not in our next segment. Yeah. So as Dylan just brought up, now we're going to be making our official predictions for the Super Bowl, how we think it's going to go, who we think is going to end up on top. So uh, between the both of you guys, who do you think is coming on top, Joe Shicey or the Rams? So uh, I think uh, this prediction might change <clears throat> as we get closer to the Super Bowl. So don't hold it against me if I change my pick <sighs> when we come out with those. But for now, I'm going to go with the Rams. I mean, I think it's a tough decision. And I know I've picked against the Bengals every single week. So I'm sure if we have any Bengals fans that are followers, which I mean, <laughs> no way, <laughs> I, I, I really doubt it. But I'm sure they're probably happy because I'm sort of their good luck charm. But um, again, as I said earlier, the Rams sold their future for this one year, and I think it was Super Bowl or bust with them, whereas for the Bengals, they're really just happy to be here. I mean, I just saw on the news that they announced uh, the day after the Super Bowl, Cincinnati oh, yeah. Public Schools are going to be <laughs> shut down. That just shows you like that they're already celebrating, even though they haven't won it. <clears throat> but um, I think the Rams are better at pretty much every single position. I think the only two up for debate is quarterback and the receiving core. <clears throat> I think... Mixon is better than Cam Akers, but the Rams running game is better overall. And I know I feel like everyone said this every single week that the Bengals O-line is going to crumble. And I'm going to say it again because Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller are just going to eat against that O-line. And they've won with terrible line play these past few weeks. But I think the Rams D-line is the best pass rushing in the league. So I think ultimately the Bengals run ends here, but they should still be proud of what they've done. And I could see Joe Burrow pulling out some magic to get the win, but it just makes more sense to me that the Rams win. Yeah, I, I agree with Jad. Uh, you know, when I first – when I think of games who I'm going to win, I always immediately jump to the quarterbacks. You know, quarterback one, quarterback two, who's better. And I think Burrow is better than Stafford. But everywhere else, the Rams are just better. And this playoffs has actually um, taught me that the better, the better quarterback team does not always necessarily win the games – and it sh- showed the value of the other positions that the, uh, that they can have, especially as I was watching the Buccaneers get eliminated by the Rams. And uh, I think Jad was right. The pass rush of the Rams, it's going to be it's going to be unstoppable. I can see Donald and Miller both having multiple sacks this game. The Bengals, uh, the Bucks had an, two Pro Bowl linemen. Obviously, Worst didn't play, and we saw how that went. But they still had uh, Drew's favorite O lineman, uh, Ryan Jensen, and he was tr- trying to hold down the Ford the best he could. But uh, it's, it's tough to do against Donald, Floyd, and Miller. And I like uh, – I think if uh, Ramsey shadows Jamar Chase, I think Jalen Ramsey is the best corner in the game. 
I think Jamar Chase could have some trouble. I want to see him do it against the best. Uh, he's kind of not played elite secondaries throughout this playoffs, I would say. So I want to see how he does against uh, Mr. Jalen Ramsey. Is Joe Burrow ready second year quarterback to make it to the Super Bowl and win the championship? I, I just I'm not ready to say that I'm going to go with a more seasoned quarterback, not necessarily more seasoned in the playoffs, but I'm going to go with Stafford. I think he'll play a little bit better. But I think just the overall impact that the Rams non quarterback positions will have, it's just going to be too much for the Bengals to handle. Like you guys have said, I think we're all three in agreement here. Uh, as much as I love Joe Shiesty, I, I got to go with the Rams here. Um, when you just think about all the aspects that I kind of look into when I'm trying to make a prediction, um, it's quarterback play, coaching, overall defense, and the offensive line. The Rams win pretty much all of those except for the quarterback position. Like you guys said, I, I think Joe Burrow is definitely a better quarterback than Matt Stafford. But as far as comfortability in a situation – I think that Matt Stafford's going to be a much more comfortable quarterback as the game goes on. And usually the more comfortable quarterback is able to pull out the win. Um, we've never really seen a team with an abysmal O-line like the Bengals have win a Super Bowl. So to see it happen would be great. Um, but as you guys have been saying, this Rams pass rush is, is really, really good. Um, like, like Dylan said, against the Bucks offensive line, which was arguably the best in the league last year, I, they did definitely have some injuries. Um, but arguably the best in the league this year, the Rams absolutely pressured Tom Brady. And if they can get to a, a quarterback like Tom Brady, I, I'm sure they can get to Joe Burrow, especially with that Bengals offensive line. Um, as much as, again, like I said, as much as I want to see the Bengals here win here, they're so outmatched at every other position. I could definitely see an upset happening. This is like by no means that for sure Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. Um, but when I look at all the stuff that the Rams have versus the Bengals, I got to go with the Rams. Yeah, so uh, all three of us are in the Rams. Normally, uh, if all three of us pick, it doesn't really work out. But Joe Burrow, <laughs> if there's one man who can make that happen, it could be Joe Burrow. So we'll see how that goes. Next up, uh, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, both possibly going to be Aaron Rodgers, possibly changing teams. Tom Brady, possibly drifting off into the sunset. Uh, you know, we all see those ESPN reports. We all saw, you know, is he retiring? Is he not? What do you guys think? Is Tom Brady retiring? And where does Aaron Rodgers play for the NFL next year? So uh, I'll start. Uh, first of all, I think Tom Brady is retiring, but uh, he wants to be the one to announce it, whether it's with a video, a cryptic tweet, I don't know, something. But <laughs> I think he saw Schefter tweet it out and didn't find it fair. That's how it got announced. And I just know that Adam Schefter is shaking his boots because – He's never really reported a false report in his career, and this is arguably the biggest story of his career. So, you know, he wanted to rush to get the <laughs> first scoop. Um, so to have messed this up would be bad for him. But anyways, that's just my take on Brady. I think he's definitely retiring, but he just wants to be the one to tell it. He wants to tell a story, and I think someone close to him leaked it to Schefter without Brady knowing. Uh, as for mm. Rodgers... I, I don't want to defend this guy anymore. I mean, I think he has such a good roster, arguably the best in the league. His defense plays a great game, and I get it. His special team sold, but he had so many chances. And I honestly think the Packers have grown on him a little bit, and I think he's going to stay with the Packers at least hmm. one more year. Because, again, as I said, this is one of the most stacked rosters in the NFL. I really don't think you're going to go anywhere and have the team around you improve. I get maybe you'd have more control over – roster decisions and uh you know he kind of beefs with the front office but i think that relationship has kind of improved throughout the year and i see a lot of people 
say he's going to get traded to Denver with Devontae Adams. And I don't think people realize how unrealistic it is to trade for two people who are top five in their respective positions in the same trade. Uh, so I just don't think it makes sense to leave. I think he has everything he needs here. Um, I think his relationship with LaFleur is also very good, even though their OC went to the um, Broncos. I could see him retiring, but I think the Pac- the Packers franchise tag Devontae Adams, and they're going to try to have the last, last dance. I'm going to interject here. Um, you guys know Aaron Rodgers. I absolutely love the guy. I think he's the top five quarterback of all time. I think he's probably the most skilled quarterback I've ever seen. But this offseason, this uh, postseason, man, has just been such a disappointment for me. Um, and am I putting it on Aaron Rodgers? I am putting it on Aaron Rodgers this time. Um, the defense showed up for like what seems like the first time has in his entire career. And uh, Aaron Rodgers just couldn't capitalize. Um, this offense was completely stagnant. But enough about that game. I don't think that there's a scenario where Aaron Rodgers retires. He's still relatively young. He's like 37. Um, and while he's getting up there in age, I don't really see him leaving the NFL when he's still putting up really good numbers. Um, but I'm going to disagree with Jad here. I think he's 100% done with the Green Bay Packers. I think the last mm. three years have really just shown frustration and frustration pi- piling up over the same results, losing in the NFC Championship, losing in the NFC Championship, and then losing in the divisional round this time, uh, going 13-3, and 13-3, and 13-4. and four. I mean – it seems like it's the repeat every single year. Aaron Rodgers finally gets to the playoffs, goes to the NFC championship game or goes uh, and plays the championship game. And we just don't see the same Aaron Rodgers. Last year, I thought he played pretty well and he ended up losing. Um, but hey, what are you going to do? Um, I don't think he's going to the Broncos. I think Broncos fans are just kind of deluded. I mean, uh, no offense to any Broncos fans, but like, I don't know a single Broncos fan in real life. So um, I, I don't think there's... A, I think what's going to happen is him and Devontae are going to try to leave and be together on the same team. I don't know if that's a realistic thing to happen since both of them are going to cost so much money for a team to take on. Um, but I got to say, I think just with all of his antics and stuff, I think Aaron Rodgers is taking his talents to another team. Um, I think he's really frustrated with the Packers. Um, I think the Packers are in probably if he leaves and Devontae Adams leaves, I think they're in probably one of, if not the worst situation in the NFL because they're essentially forced into a rebuild with all the pieces that they have um, if they can't get a great quarterback on short notice. Um, as for Tom Brady, I kind of agree with, with Jad here. I, I think he's definitely retiring, but I saw something online where if he stays and doesn't announce his official retirement until like February like 4th or something, he gets like an extra $20 million. So my theory is that he's just waiting for that to happen. Um, and then finally cashing in on this retirement. Cause I mean, $20 million, $20 million. Um, if it is the end for him, he's the greatest ever. Like it, it no debate at this point. And, um, I think I, I don't really see him, him coming back. He, he's a tremendous player, but I think he's done. Yeah. So first and foremost, I'm gonna make the Tom Brady part fairly quick. I do think, uh, Tom Brady is going to be retiring. I think, uh, he's kind of at that age. Uh, you know, everybody's obviously been saying that for years, but I think I think it's time for Eddie for him to go enjoy some golf and whatnot. I think, uh, you know, he kind of needs to take care of his body, needs to take care of the rest of his life, just move on. But uh, I'm going to talk about Aaron Rodgers because I love talking about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> so yes, here's do. my theory with Aaron Rodgers. I think that if Aaron Rodgers uh, – I think Aaron Rodgers should stay because, like Jad said, he's not going anywhere where he's going to get a better roster. He's not going to get – 
a better offense. He's not going to get a better team that's going to have a top 10 defense, number one wide receiver, top 10 running game, good O-line, good head coach. So I think Rodgers should stay. But if I do think Rodgers is going to leave, I actually think he's going to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I Mm. think uh, the Steelers have a lot of good receiving weapons for him. Uh, It's kind of a more quantity than quality. You know, they got three pretty solid guys. Obviously, none of them are Devontae Adams. You got Najee Harris, and he's a very, very good young running back. We know Rodgers needs a good running back at this stage of his career. And uh, the Steelers have a great defense. I think he likes Mike Tomlin as well. You know, I always see them flirting with each other during the games when they play <laughs> each other. So I could definitely see Rodgers heading over to the Steelers. But I is Rogers, I don't think Rodgers is necessarily going to want to go anywhere because I tell you what, the second this guy goes somewhere, he's going to start getting get compared to Tom Brady in his first season with the Buccaneers in which he went French to the Super Bowl. And Aaron Rodgers is not going to want that smoke. He's going to need a few days to kind of think about what he wants to do. But if I'm Aaron Rodgers, if you're preserving your legacy – if you want the best chance at the Super Bowl, you need to return with the Green Bay Packers and just figure it out, bro. Like, it's not that hard. Like, how hard can it be to make amends with your front office? They've literally given you, a, like, one of the best rosters in the NFL. They'll probably franchise tag Devontae, so you got him on locks for another year. Just head back to the Packers and try to try to win in the playoffs just for once. So, yeah, that's my Aaron Rodgers take. All righty. Now moving on to our next segment, kind of taking away – uh, a step away from current football. Now we're going to move over to those who have already retired. So who are you, we're going to go through kind of a segment here, kind of all rotate here and share who are your guys's top three favorite currently retired players in the NFL. So are we uh, going, I say my third and then go around or are we, yeah, we'll go with? three, two, one and like go, okay. go around. Okay. Okay. All right. So for uh, my number three, I have Calvin Johnson. Uh, he mm-hmm. is probably the best receiver that I have ever, I have ever watched. I'm not going to say he's the best of all time, obviously, cause I'm very young, but he kind of inspired me to become a receiver when I became older. Mm. He's very dominant. Uh, I've expressed on this podcast before that I believe he's better than Randy Moss. <clears throat> I mean, he's kind of like when I first started watching football, he was always there. He was always on mm-hmm. NFL red zone, mossing three defenders at a time, getting, Two corners to press him at the one-yard line. Uh, I mean, I just haven't seen any receiver do it like he has throughout my years of watching. And as a young kid, you kind of feel uh, more special when you watch these types of players. He had a a nice ultimate team card uh, at the free safety position because he would always play there during Hail Marys. So, uh, yeah, I have him at my number three. Yeah, I mess with Calvin Johnson. You know, it's always fun watching him play. And he's kind of just a, that staple NFL wide receiver that you've seen for so many years. But my number three, it's actually going to be a bit sad here. Uh, my number three is going to be Demarius Thomas. Mm. So let me oh. give you guys my story on Demarius Thomas. In the fifth grade uh, is when I got onto the Demarius Thomas bandwagon. He was my first ever fantasy football pick. I had the eighth pick in my fifth grade NFL draft. He was ranked around 11 or 12. But as soon as I saw him in that Buffalo Wild Wings commercial in fifth grade, <laughs> I knew that he was worth my first round pick. And that was when Peyton Manning had his MVP season. So he was very, very good. He's always just that staple run routes, get open type of guy. He had that iconic um, Tim Tebow uh, playoff game overtime winning catch. And it's just so fun watching him. Uh, and unfortunately, he, you know, obviously we all know what happened. But he kind of just got me into fantasy football. He kind of got me into football. 
Uh, not as much as these other guys, but he was still uh, just a very fun wide receiver to watch. And he's, he's my third favorite retired player. Yeah, so uh, my number three, kind of following the trend of uh, wide receivers here, uh, I got a guy, I think he was kind of underrated for a lot of his career. Um, and then after he retired, I don't think he got the respect he really deserves. And that's going to be Jordy Nelson. I think he's uh, mm. consistently one of those players that uh, whenever I'd see the Seahawks Packers game going on, he was always someone that even when the Legion of Boom was at its peak, they were kind of unable to stop. I think the connection between him and Rodgers was absolutely phenomenal to watch. Uh, back when Rodgers wasn't throwing so many conservative balls um, and like five yard slants, it was a lot more like deep shots. And Jordan Nelson was a real big threat downfield. Um, he's almost like kind of like a mini tight end, sort of his build. Um, yeah. And I always thought he was he was really fun to watch. I, I went off of players just that I personally uh, have seen firsthand that like I have like a personal connection to. I had to put Jordy Nelson up there just because. He was so much fun to watch, especially when I started watching the NFL in like 2013, 2014, 2015. Uh, all right. So my number two player is a former Raider and Cowboy, mm. and that is uh, Darren McFadden. Now, uh, a mm. lot of people know I'm a sucker for speed. Uh, the Raiders are suckers for speed, as yeah. everyone knows. And uh, he was the first player I remember watching. And this is probably, other than uh, Chris Johnson, he's probably the fastest running back of all time. And whenever I would turn on a Raider game when I was younger, I would root for him. Uh, obviously, you guys are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, so you can't see my camera right now. But I actually have his jersey mm. hung up in my wall. It was the first Raider jersey I've ever gotten. Uh, he had multiple 1,000-yard seasons with the Raiders. He, he just, uh, you know, as a young, again, as a young kid, you, you kind of like watching these electric players. And so, yeah, mm. he's my number two. Yeah, speaking of electric players, uh, my number two is going to be LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy, you want to talk about that textbook elusive 99 juke rating running back. You got to talk about LaShawn McCoy. Every time there was a snow game, this guy was going for 150 and three touchdowns. I remember in after school flag football, I'd always uh, activate like LaShawn McCoy jukes whenever I got that run after catch opportunities. And this guy was a first-round pick uh, in fantasy all in my youngling days. He was always there. Uh, super fun card to use in Madden, obviously, because of his juking and speed. And like Jad said, when you're a young kid, that type of stuff get very much excites you. So LaShawn McCoy, I have a lot of great memories watching his uh, ankle breakers and whatnot. Yeah, so uh, my number two, I actually went to the quarterback position for this one. This is a recent retired player that's going to be drew Brees. um i think drew Brees definitely cemented his legacy as being one of the best quarterbacks of all time um and i certainly enjoyed to see him playing towards the latter half of his career um i think drew Brees is one of those guys like when you see him play it's not super impressive but then when you see the kind of body of work that he's been able to put together it, it, it's a hall of fame career no doubt um i think that when i first started watching the nfl here's this guy that's kind of undersized his name is drew so i just had an instant connection with him my name being drew <laughs> um but yeah uh shout out aiden kane for getting me a getting me a saint shirt for uh, drew Brees. the uh, quick shout out there but I, I had to put him on there just because he he was one of those quarterbacks outside of like russell wilson and aaron Rodgers that uh, i had immediate attraction to i actually liked watching um and the saints at that time were a really fun team to watch so drew, <clears throat> drew Brees is definitely up there so uh, before I get into my number one, Dylan actually just reminded me about this guy indirectly, and I completely forgot about him. Mm. So honorable mention to Jamal Charles as uh, he was amazing okay, yeah. before I, his second ACL injury. 
Go ahead. I thought you were gonna, might have put him at the number three position. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely he completely crossed my mind. But, yeah, he would always torch the Raiders, but um, he went to University of Texas. He was so electric with the ball in his hands. So honorable yeah. mention to him. But my number one is actually another Raiders player, and it's Charles Woodson. Mm. So I didn't watch his first stint with the Raiders. Obviously, I was too young. You know, he was obviously the player that sacked Brady where it should have been a fumble. But anyways, he uh, when he came back to the Raiders, I started watching a bunch of hype videos of how amazing he was his first time with the Raiders. And he honestly delivered his second time, too. Even though he was quite old for a defensive back, he moved from corner to safety. And he was just such a ball hawk. And he was one of the few defensive players that even any kid would really enjoy. Because obviously, when you're younger, you really like offense. But Charles Woodson would always have the ball in his hands. I'm pretty sure he's top 10 all time in defensive touchdowns. So that's also another reason I love him. And so, yeah, I never was able to get his jersey, but I really love Charles Woodson. He's my number one. So my number one uh, is going to be former Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman. Mm. Julian Edelman, uh, you want to talk about why Julian Edelman made me uh, fall in love with route running. You know, lots of the receivers that I like today, I like those pure wide receivers, which is very skilled at what they do. And that's Julian Edelman. Uh, you know, you can argue he's a Hall of Famer. You could argue he's not a Hall of Famer. That doesn't really matter to me. This guy always showed up on the biggest plays, on the biggest downs, on the biggest drives. Third and five, Julian Edelman isolation in the slant, you know, zig route, out route, slant route. There was nobody in the NFL that could guard him. He's 5'11", and that zig route in the Super Bowl um, – <laughs> That basically popularized the zig routes. I'm not it sure really I saw did. anyone else run it before uh, Edelman do it. And now it's a staple. Every time someone runs a zig route at the goal line, they get posted for three weeks on the NFL Instagram page. <laughs> and Julian Edelman basically invented that route. Uh, this guy had multiple Super Bowls where he took over in the Rams game. He was the only guy who generated offense. He had like 110 and a touchdown in the Falcon Super Bowl. And just every time Brady was on that big third down, uh, you know, you were able to rely on Julian Edelman to get open. And uh, it's just beautiful watching him play football. I think he plays it the right way. And I think a lot of the young blood should appreciate his game more. <laughs> yeah. So uh, like you guys, I tried to limit uh, the amount of players for my favorite team. Um, but yeah, my number one pick, you guys had a running back at your number two is my uh, running back. That's at my number one spot. That's going to be Marshawn Lynch. This guy beast mode back in the day, watching the beast quake 1.0 and 2.0 were really my introductions to, uh, to a football highlights. It was just so, so much fun mm -hmm. watching him just like run over guys and then also be able to juke through super small spaces as well. be super elusive. Uh, this guy was just an absolute beast with the ball. I think at his peak, he was one of the best running backs of all time. Um, I did still, it still hurts me to this day that we didn't give him the ball at the one yard line, uh, but that's a completely different mm -hmm. matter. Um, I had this guy's poster on my wall. He's actually one of the first NFL jerseys I ever got a 24 Marshawn Lynch Jersey. Um, so yeah, I just have a special connection to him. He's, he's retired now. Another kind of like recent retiree. I could see him maybe pulling an Adrian Peterson coming out of retirement or something, but, uh, yeah, he's my, he's my number one favorite retired player. Yeah. I, I actually want to give an honorable mention to another running back, uh, another, I was considering him putting on the list, but I just couldn't do it. It's going to be Matt Forte. Mm. I don't even know if you guys know Chicago bears, Matt Forte. This guy was one of the best, just all around running backs. You know, he had the elusive game. He had the power game and he could catch it out of the backfield. You know, I like those pass catching backs. 
Um, I felt he was kind of always underrated, you know, being on those Jay Cutler, Chicago Bears teams. But I felt like the Bears like always played on Monday night football when I was like really young. And I just remember I'd always see Matt Forte. I'd be like, that guy's really good at football. You know, he's just kind of just always fun to watch. I just have lots of memories watching him. So just want to give a quick shout out to Matt Forte. Yeah. Before, uh, before we move on, um, I actually uh, want to share something, Drew. Your number one player, Marshawn Lynch, when he came out of retirement and signed with the Raiders, mm-hmm. he actually called my number one player, Charles Woodson, and asked him permission to wear number 24. So mm. I just think wow. that's super cool that our number one player is going <laughs> to have a connection like that. that but that's just uh, yeah, go ahead. Introduce the next segment. Yep. So introducing <laughs> the next segment, we're taking a step away from football for a moment. We're going to be moving over to the NBA. Mm. Obviously, some great things happening over there, but we've been more focused on the NFL given the fact that it's playoff time. <laughs> Um, but one of the most, probably the most prestigious award in the NBA, the MVP, has been a pretty hotly debated uh, topic these last couple of weeks, especially with so many players uh, absolutely going off. So we're going to answer this question right now. Who do you guys think should be the MVP frontrunner right now? So uh, for me, it's got to be the guy that I used to hate on quite a bit, and uh, that's Nikola Jokic. I mean... This guy led his, is leading his team in points, rebounds, and assists, uh, 26, 14, and 8. And uh, he's doing this with a subpar supporting cast. Uh, you know, I, used, or I, was, I thought that this was the year that the voter fatigue would finally run out and LeBron would win it. But uh, unfortunately, he missed a little bit too many games, and so has KD. But, uh, yeah, Jokic, he seems like he's going to get it back-to-back years. And honestly, I'm proud to be wrong about this guy because uh, – I've bet on him a couple of times on prize picks and uh, it works both times. So he's on my good side now. He's a very well-rounded player. He's carrying his team. I believe they're on a six game win streak right now. So yeah, he's my MVP. Yeah, uh, I agree with Jad. It's Nikola Jokic. And right now with KD uh, being out, I think it's not close. I think it is Nikola Jokic. Um, Let me pull up my statistics on this guy. Yeah. So he's (laughs) averaging 26, 14 and eight. There's no player in the NBA that carries this guy's scoring load rebounding load and playmaking load uh, on a nightly basis uh and all of this eight assists as a 611 center with a 55 overall speed rating is absolutely incredible you can't double team this guy in the post because he's going to make the right play that's what i love about him i love guys who make the right basketball play this guy passes out of doubles phenomenally and the nuggets are fifth in the west right now i know everyone says like if you're not a playoff team you can't win the mvp I would agree with that, but the Nuggets are fifth in the West, so you can't hold that against them. And they don't have Jamal Murray or Michael Porter Jr. right now as well, who are their second and third best players. And Jokic is still basically putting the team on his back. And this guy is putting up stats uh, at a very consistent level. There's not really that many games where he's scoring under 20, going under like eight rebounds or going under like six assists. So it's, it's Nikola Jokic right now, and he's pretty much got it on lock for me as of right now. Yeah, I'm so glad to get, see, hear you guys say this. Uh, I was expecting some opposition, but yeah, I also went with Nikola Jokic. What he's been doing on a night-to-night basis is pretty much unmatched by any other player in the NBA right now. The kind of like hype beast consensus number one pick right now is Giannis, but I, I mean, besides the scoring totals and maybe the rebounding totals, I don't really see it. Uh, I think Jokic leads him in like pretty much every single major statistical category other than like points per game. Um, but yeah, I, like he is so dynamic and just so hard for any other team to game plan against because he can really do everything. Um, I think that he definitely deserves to be the MVP. I feel like people are going to be kind of like hesitant to vote him in as MVP again, 
Um, but I feel like you got to give it to the guy that deserves it. And right now, Nicole Jokic is the most valuable, valuable player in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree. So that uh, is what we're going to be doing. Uh, NBA. Don't really talk about that much NBA. Uh, I'm trying to get Jad and Drew onto the NBA college basketball <laughs> wave, but, you know, they got their own things that they like. But now, closing segment, everybody knows what time it is. One thing we love or one thing we hate. What do you guys got for today? Uh, I'll go first. Um, and I'm sure Dylan will be proud. Uh, I actually love the We Win Basketball games, man. I mean, oh, yeah. You know, as you guys know, I'm a football player. You can tell by just looking at me. But, uh, you know, finally I get to be in the stands and I get to see what it's like to be a part of the crowd. And that first home game against Lee was just electric. Mm. I was sitting next to Drew and uh, Alec. Shout out, Alec. But, you know, it went down to the wire, went to overtime, and we ultimately came out on top. And I think just it being indoors was just made the environment so much better because it was so loud. You could hear everything, you know, uh, Bonnie was going crazy. Uh, and I just, I, I really loved it. So yeah, that's my love. Yeah, I, I love to see that, you know, our crowd. It's an absolutely amazing crowd. And uh, we love we love when they come out to the games. I unfortunately have to con- contradict Jad here. I have a hate. And it's going to be the NBA All-Star fan voting. So <laughs> the moment of the first... Uh, fan results coming back i see andrew wiggins in the top five and i'm like okay this is just some warriors fan thing this isn't gonna like actually translate into anything second wave comes back andrew wiggins still is in the top five and i'm like okay uh what are we doing here nba you know maybe you know the other guys they won't vote andrew wiggins and then the starters come out and then i see andrew wiggins and i have to check the ver that i'm following a verified instagram account to make sure that it's not (laughs) a spam account and then it is the verified ESPN account and I'm like oh boy what has the NBA done so Andrew Wiggins is averaging 18 points four rebounds and two assists per game this is good numbers is this in all-star numbers no is it an all-star starter numbers no you can make an argument this guy's the fourth best or fourth most valuable player on his team behind Curry Clay and Draymond and you got guys like Luka Doncic Devin Booker, who are basically averaging 30 points and like 10 assists and Doncic, you know, averaging like 30, 10 and 10 on a nightly basis. And they're going to be coming off the bench for Andrew Wiggins. It's just, it's just absolutely mind boggling. I absolutely despise it when guys get credit for things that they don't deserve. (laughs) And another smaller note is you got guys, legacies are on the line here. All-star appearances and all-star starts. It's not everything, but when you're, debating Jordan LeBron you're debating whatever basketball debate you always bring up all-star appearances or all-star starts and Andrew Wiggins is going to be depriving so many guys of possibly winning this debate because he's taking their all-star starting spot so that's all I have to say about that and if anybody actually believes he's an all-star you're absolutely out of your mind and this is the NBA needs to cancel fan voting immediately yeah Dylan very uh aggressively anti-Andrew Wiggins there, but uh, can't say that I disagree with him. Uh, I'm, I'm going for more of a positive here today. Uh, I got to love. It's a TV show. Uh, I watched an unhealthy amount of it um, and ended up finishing it in uh, a little bit over a month or a little bit under a month, I think, maybe. Um, that's going to be The Sopranos. Um, I went in hearing all the critical claim about the show, about how it's one of the best of all time. Uh, and just the overall premise of it being something mafia related and being a mafia TV show, 
I love mafia related content. Uh, my favorite movie is The Godfather Part Two. So I went into it with very high expectations. And even with those high expectations, the show managed to exceed them. To me, it really became the best show of all time. I think there's really no debate. As much as I love Breaking Bad, as much as I love uh, Better Call Saul, I think that Sopranos absolutely washes them. Um, not to say that those are bad shows by any means. I absolutely love both of those shows too. But Sopranos just, it's such a work of art. It's so, so well made. Um, it really is. It's not only, it's just not only entertaining, but there's so much stuff to interpret, so much symbolism, so many themes being discussed. Uh, and the finale, although some people didn't like it, I think it's just an absolute masterpiece and testament to how great the show has been uh, over the course of its, what, like eight year run. Um, I think that James Gandolfini is Tony Soprano, probably one of the greatest characters of all time. And uh, I'm just such a blast watching the series and kind of getting some of my friends to watch it now alongside me. Um, it, it's just been so much fun to see us all go through that experience together. So yeah, I got a love for today. I had two loves, one hate, uh, you know, very mixed results. That's going to wrap up our episode. We'll see you back uh, in our next episode. Probably going to be Super Bowl recap. We're going to be dropping top 10 NFL wide receivers this weekend. Stay tuned for that. It's going to be very, very hotly contested, very heavily debated in the comment section. So we can't wait for that. And thank you guys for tuning in. All right. See you.